All right, uh, before we kick off with some questions to our panelists, uh, raise your hand if you're working in some type of agile environment. So most, about three quarters of the people, and the rest of the people who aren't, are you working in a waterfall environment or are you just not working in either? Is anybody working in a waterfall environment? Okay, all right, that's good. So just well, so we can. Would do that, <laughs> right, which most people probably are. Uh, just so we can get to know our panelists a little bit, why don't we have you guys explain maybe a little bit about what type of agile you follow at your work or maybe something about you and Agile, or just give us like a, a one minute overview of what you do with Agile maybe at your work. We'll start with Rosemary over there. Okay. Uh, hi, yeah, at Sumo Logic, the, we have some teams that use Agile and some teams don't. Uh, it seems to me that the uh, Agile teams are a little more productive and a little more predictable. Um, so I enjoy working with the Agile teams quite a lot. And um, Agile works uh, as a process. However, you work the process, so you can uh, fit it to uh, your team. However, you want to use it, you can use some elements of, of agile and maybe not others. Um, we really rely on the planning meeting and not so much the stand-ups and the uh, retrospectives and that kind of thing. Uh, planning meetings where it's at, and that's where I find out what everybody's working on and what I need to document. So it's the way to go. Thanks. Well, where I work, we're uh, in the process of adopting agile. Uh, but the company is uh, very much dedicated to it because they paid for us all to have training. We all had to pass the, the scrum certified Scrum Master uh, credential and so on. Uh, initially, of course, there are people who, uh, people who don't like change and things have a little hard time with it. Uh, some people will always look at whatever it is about your company that you can't implement. For example, <clears throat> with development teams, they want everybody to be in the same physical location. Well, we have teams in India, China, uh, Eastern Europe, Western Europe, and so you can immediately throw up your hands and say, well, see, now we can't do Scrum. Or you can say, well, we'll just adjust. Uh, one of the nice things that I found about it is that we have a technical writer assigned to each team. Typically, a tech writer gets more than one team. But you're a part of the team, you're in the daily scrum, you know who's on the team, you know whose uh, feature or whatever you're documenting, and so the developers can't get away from you. <laughs> Right, so um, with our development teams, they are entirely agile, um, and the interesting thing, so I work for GE, it's a huge big company, but the GE Digital, GE Software Group is a fairly new branch for GE, so we're sort of a startup within GE, and so we've gotten to define a lot of how we do things, how we do processes, how we do software, how we do documentation. And um, I had never done Agile before I came to GE. I came to GE and I found that, you know, the scrums were at different levels of maturity and so, and they had different ways of dealing with the writers. And so um, along the way, I'm, I'm pointing at this book, I see you have Jeff Sutherland's <laughs> book. So along the way, I became a certified scrum master and I took my training from Jeff, Su Jeff Sutherland. I thought, okay, this is my chance. I'm gonna learn how documentation is really supposed to fit into Agile. And I went through the entire training and he never mentioned documentation until I raised my hand and said, what about documentation? <laughs> so what I have found is that we have had the flexibility to really figure out how we should fit in and create processes around that and figure out how we're supposed to do our stories and how we're supposed to be involved in the planning and the, you know, and one of the things that's been great for us is that there is a dedicated effort to have the teams co-located. So we do have writers embedded in the scrum teams. Usually they're, they do cover, like you were saying, more than one scrum team, but we really do try to have them physically located together and on site, and so that's been a big help. But it's been interesting trying to figure out exactly how to fit that documentation in there, because it's not a natural fit all the time. Right. It, it took us you know, several <coughs> years as well to figure out how to add documentation into Agile. And uh, what we basically do is we kind of use hybrid Agile. It's not pure Agile, but each development organization can kind of implement Agile kind of the way they see fit, as long as they fit within the framework. And so it's taken us several 
several tries to get it right with um, inserting the writing. I mean, we tried, you know, having our writers keep up with the developers in step, and that, of course, unfortunately caused a lot of rework. Then we tried three-week sprints, and we tried having our own stories that were totally separate, and that didn't work either. So finally, we found a way where we are in lockstep with the developers, but we're usually at least an iteration behind. Or if we see there's a feature that could possibly slip, we go off and work on another project. So we have a lot of flexibility in terms of how we manage it. So it's been quite a learning experience. Um, we all embraced it. We were excited to, to do Agile. Um, I think Waterfall has its benefits, and I think Agile has its benefits, and of course both of them have their downsides, but uh, Agile has kept life interesting, that's for sure. And, and Salesforce, <coughs> excuse me, um, if I don't talk loud enough, please let me know. Um, at Salesforce, um, we use Agile, we use Scrum, and we, some teams kind of recently started using Kanban, and um, so I'm less familiar with Kanban, but um, we ha what's really nice is within the company, we have a dedicated team of Agile coaches. And so if you're a Scrum Master, or even if you're not a Scrum Master, actually, you can go to one of the coaches and they can give you tips and stuff in terms of how to work with Scrum. So that's been a, a big help for us. Um, but in terms of being a writer on a team, um, what I found myself, so we do also have flexibility in terms of how we work with our teams within Scrum. And what I personally found is when I was working on Scrum, in the Scrum team versus Kanban, um, I was usually a little bit behind, like if the QA would close the story the last day of the sprint, you know, I wouldn't have time to write write up my docs yet or complete them anyway. And so I ended up creating my own stories and it kind of varies by team, like how each team works and the dynamics of each team. Um, but overall, it's just, it's, I found for myself, as being a writer on a team, I have a lot more visibility in a Scrum environment or in an Agile environment, I should say than I previously did at other places that didn't use Agile. All right, thanks guys. Um, Dan, if you can just hold up that book that you brought briefly. If you're new to to Scrum and Agile, you definitely want to read that book. Uh, That's another book. Okay, Agile Project Management. And the I, other one is Jeff Sutherland's Agile Scrum. I took, this book is written by the instructor, Mark C. Layton. I took his class, so this oh. is the book. And okay, this guys... book actually mentions user documentation. <laughs> <laughs> it is definitely an afterthought, but he does mention it. He says it should be done as soon as possible at the end of the sprint. All right. We'll, so there, we'll jump into it's that. all figured out. <laughs> yeah, so if, you, if you're brand new to Scrum, if you're like, what's Agile, what's Scrum, check those out. Most of the people who have been working in IT, this is, uh, these are familiar terms. So this is gonna be more of a, a deep dive into these. And if you're lost, you'll just need to backtrack into that. Um, Gillian. Which of you guys just talk about what's involved, how long it took to become a certified Scrum Master? Is it like a week long intensive class or six months? I mean, what, what is involved? It, actually, with us, it was a three day class. And um, then at the end, you take an exam. It's an online exam. Yeah, we only got a two-day class. <laughs> <laughs> the good thing about the class, at least with the instructor I had, is that there's very little lecture and a lot of going aside and working on specific little projects. One of the, the thing with Agile is it's very people-oriented. Yeah. So if you can't stand people, don't get into Agile. <laughs> <laughs> but... It, but the thing is that once you you know you you have a certain number of people and you just you learn to work with them you learn what yeah. each one's strength and weaknesses are and because it's always fun to learn and I'll I'll second that the hands-on training was ex yeah you know, the hands-on exercises were the most important thing and one thing I really believe is that a lot of the same um, a lot of the same skills that we have as technical writers, being detail-oriented, being able to organize, being able to plan, um, those are natural skills that you need as a Scrum Master. So I think, you know, everybody who's a technical writer can can be a Scrum Master. Too. Are all of you actually Scrum Masters? It wasn't any kind of thing that I was picking out Scrum Masters, mm -hmm. but are all of you actually Scrum Masters or not? Um, I'm not currently, but I Okay. Yeah. Oh, you have been in the past. Yeah. 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 Okay. But I'm not certified. I wrote. I read a PDF, and I worked with some engineers who had a lot of experience in in agile, and just did it. Um, and 
basically, as a scrum master, your job is to be the servant leader and to ask a lot of questions. How long do you think this is going to take? What you know? What is? Do we need to scope this down? That kind of thing. So, as technical writers, we're used to asking all those kind of questions mm -hmm. all the time, and it really is a natural fit. Mm -hmm. All right. First question for the panel: Should items be managed? Should documentation items be managed as part of an engineering sprint? Or not, Daniel? You actually did. brought this up. Yeah. yeah, we did. It was it was part of it, and uh, it's you know a little bit of a challenge. But uh, at least on the project I was working on, we have very complex features which are broken down into tasks. So even though I'm not up to date on the task, but I could stay current on the features. And so uh, you know, as they would develop some new thing in the UI. I could go see it, I could document it, I could contact the engineer. So uh, in that case, it worked out fairly well. I just wanted to add that we not only put the documentation, um, we manage those items, we do like QAing the help system. If we've got to do an upgrade to our help system, everything that goes into the documentation, even if it's not a pure writing task, goes into Rally, or now we use Jira to make sure that it's accounted for and that make sure that people are aware. Otherwise, we'd never be able to upgrade our software. Are these engineering sprints or are these documentation sprints separate from engineers? They're not, it's, it's all one project. We don't consider ourselves separate. It's okay. just all one thing. And we've done uh, the two things that you were describing where, you know, at first we had our documentation uh, as a task in a development story. Mm -hmm. And that never really worked out so well because exactly like you were saying, mm -hmm. you'd get to the end and you'd get QA being done, you know, the night before the the sprint ended. And I've been in, you know, sprint reviews where I'm sitting there doing the documentation <laughs> so I can close the story so that we can have a better, you know, velocity for the report out and and that's just miserable. So we started doing, you know, separate documentation stories, but they are in a in an engineering um, sprint and and like you were saying, not just they're usually aligned with development stories, you know, when you're creating documentation, but we also do stories for, you know, just strictly documentation tasks like review, building maps, you know, um, stuff like that. So. Right. And I'll create um, child stories from based on my engineering stories, um, and that really helps me to track um, to the engineering work that was done. So even if they did it last sprint, I could still do my story the following sprint. Um, and then I'll create um, stories for my um, the QAs to review the documentation as well, so that they actually can assign points to it and know how much work they have to allocate, so they can review everything. Because QAs catch a lot of stuff all the time, so they're they're really good reviewers at that. Point, so. Can can they close their tasks if you've got a subtask open? Um, they could close their stories if I have a child to that story, but um, so it doesn't hold them up, but if there's a task open Usually if we have a doc task that's still open and the sprint needs to close and we're still working on stuff, we can actually move that task out of the sprint and yeah, kind of make yeah. it free yeah, flow. Yeah. The, the documentation tasks are kind of special and they can kind of, you know, move out And that's a good reason to have them separate as right. documentation right. tasks. But I do think it's really important to have the tasks there and as much as possible to have, out, you know, to have um, story points assigned to them because that makes your work visible and that makes you a yes. part of the team and it makes you, you know, you recognized as such. Yeah. So. yeah, and I think that's actually a really important point because I, I know that there was one release um, where the PM I was working on um, um, refactoring this did a map and it was kind of complicated and it took a lot of time, but that's not necessarily immediately visible to, you know, to the engineers what I'm doing, right? And so I did create a story for that. I was like, what are you doing? Just like you guys have back end work, that back end work too. So you know, it's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so so let's say that engineers have a task. Let's call it um, build feature X. How do you create your documentation story or or task around feature X if that engineer won't finish until the last day of the sprint? We well, usually then have a story in the next sprint. Yeah. So you're one, yeah. you're one leg, yes. you're one uh, cycle yeah. behind. In in a case like that, yeah. We usually work in um, parallel with QA. So the engineer has to get his task to QA, 
and then we can document it. And so usually he's done before the end of the sprint. If not, it just moves to the next sprint. Do you ever have the uh, product shipments on the last day of the sprint? I mean, is that part of it? Or do you, you, your product shipments aren't synchronized with your sprints? Well, this, the, at the end of the sprint, you have a sprint review where you show what you've created. It's not going to be a finished product, although uh, the, uh, the stakeholders are going to, may want to see the demo or see whatever it is to be sure they're on target. So you don't technically have to have the documentation completed, although if there's online help, it's nice to have something there uh, when you press F1 or help or however you invoke the help. But it, it's, it's not a shipping product at the end of the sprint. It's just that particular feature that you've been working on or number of features. I think in strict Agile, you're supposed to be able to, to ship at the end of every sprint. And so in theory, yeah, you should. Um, the way our, our team works, we work in two-week sprints. Um, we do have a couple of products that will ship at the end of every sprint. Or, you know, because we're, we're in, um, on demand, all of our products are on demand. So we do have a couple of products. That will, but on those cases, we have the understanding that unless it's crucial, you know, and we can stop the shipment if it's crucial documentation, you know, it's the understanding that our documentation will lag a little bit. Um, and But most of our products, we ship quarterly. So we don't actually ship every sprint. So. And on those but, quarterly shipments, uh, have the documentation ready at the end of yep. the yep. I will say the one thing that's not totally agile that we do is um, we're not allowed to call it hardening, but um, we do have a week-long end-to-end review at the end of the release um, that allows everybody to you know step back, look at all the documentation end-to-end, make sure everything's complete. So it's not technically agile, but but it helps. Yeah. Because one of the things about Agile is you'll have a lot of teams working on these features. And for us, we you know we don't like to use the word hardening, but we have to have an integration phase where we make sure that all of these these features all work together and that nothing got broken. And that takes a couple weeks. And usually we use that time to build our help systems, to QA it, and to catch up on any last minute doc changes or something we may have missed along the way. Because we'd love to say it's perfect, but there's always some surprise somewhere along the way that, uh, that happens. Let's talk about story points for a minute. So you've got a uh, you've got a documentation task. Should it have a story point evaluation on it or valuation, um, or is that just not something that you need? And, and maybe somebody could explain what story, the value of story points as well. Well, story points go with stories, not with tasks. You, okay. You have like a user story, and you have tasks. As child, uh, maybe, maybe just points. Quick. I meant then, not not necessarily story points. Just points, waiting maybe. Well, but points are a way before you begin the work to estimate how long it'll take. Hmm. And so, uh, but if you want somebody to do something, then you should have you got to have points because it's going to take time. Yeah. And that's the whole. That's how they do it in agile is with. Points. So all of you put points on each of your doc tasks. Uh, so we try. So <laughs> let me tell you, yeah. So points are time and also effort. So and and different different teams assign points in different ways. So a, you know a task that is you know eight points in one team, maybe four points in another team, or you know whatever. But it's basically time and effort, and over a period of time, the whole development team will get into a rhythm and figure out, okay, you know, our team can do 42 points a sprint. And, you know, based on, so that's, you know, based on um, how they size a story, you know, they'll know how much work they can get done in a two-week period. I tr we have some teams that will assign uh, doc stories points, and we have some teams that don't. I'm trying to get them all to assign docs, assign points to doc stories. <clears throat> and the reason is, like you were saying, our writers work on two or three teams. And so we need to have, we need to be able to assign our work a value too and say, okay, you know, you only have, you know, if you're a particular team, you only have me for 50% of my time. And having points and being able to talk that language allows the writers to say, 
you can only assign me four points or you can only assign me, you know, eight points because that's, you know, that's, that's the amount of time that you have. So, yeah. Uh, if that's the case, mm -hmm. then do the points have to be the same currency for all the different teams or is there some exchange rate? Yeah. No, <laughs> a, no, absolutely not. Yeah. Because, uh, Points are, are relative. It's uh, and even in fact, I got a couple apps on my phone, cell phone, uh, where basically you come up with a task of some kind or uh, a story, and you say, okay, well this will take about this long, and we're going to assign that one five points. So then, if another story is taking longer, maybe it gets eight or thirteen, but that's only within that particular. Uh, project on that team. One of the biggest problems is with management when they want to measure velocity or how much work's getting done, they start comparing different people's story points and you can't do that because within, the, within one team you can compare the points. Mm -hmm. But otherwise they're going to say, well, this team's doing twice as much work mm -hmm. as you are. No, it's because they assign twice as many points to their task as we did ours. Right. And it actually, it took me a really long time to figure out points because it's not like you can say, you know, and this is how, actually how we, we did it when we first started. It's not like you can say, okay, 16 points is what a person can do in two weeks because it's not really like that. And we try to do what they call t-shirt sizing, which is you, you figure out how much for a particular task, how much effort and time, you know, so you have, like, this is what an extra large looks like. And a particular team may have, you know, three or four, you know, stories up on the wall that says, this is what an extra large story looks like. This is what a large story looks like. This is what a medium and a small. And um, they may be different, you know, from team to team, but that's, it's not just time, but it's also effort. Is it something really complicated that, you know, or is it something easy, but it's just like a lot of work? And so, and then from this t-shirt sizing, they assign points. So it's like 16 points for an extra large, you know, um, I think it's eight for a large, you know, four for medium and two for small. So. What, what about the points yeah. that you might allocate towards a doc review task? So you, you've completed the documentation, now you want an engineer to review it. You know, it's not just a paragraph, it's gonna take them a while. Um, how do you handle that? Yeah, I think for myself it just depends on the, how, how well the engineer knows, how, how well the engineer knows a particular product, because um, some might be newer to the team. Um, and, and how much work is involved to some degree, but like there's like one guy who just left our team recently, QA engineer Broth, and, and he would be able to look at my stuff really quickly and, and catch mistakes or need to, need to fine tune and stuff. And another guy who joined Jonathan, I would probably add more story points for him because he's given up the speed of everything. So I kind of gauge it, on, gauge it on kind of the person as well, which is fair because Jonathan's a junior engineer. So, so for every like doc item, you have like a doc item and a separate doc review item. Are they two separate, or how do you how do you interrelate? Uh, I do it separately myself. Yeah. I, I don't know if everybody does, but I do it separately. Okay. Yeah. We did kind of a hybrid of that, where I would work with the specific developer for that feature, and I he asked me just send me what you have and I'll review it. And then he comes back with suggestions, and I give him suggestions, and we did that kind of off to the side. But when uh, the QA people are reviewing something, they need to be they need to have an idea how long it'll take, and they need to be able to to charge or say, well, you know, we did this much work on reviewing, because otherwise it'll be at the very bottom of their priority, and they'll probably never get to it. But that's so, another reason to have the doc story, because if that yeah. story doesn't close, <laughs> it affects yeah, the velocity right. for the team. Yeah. Right. And ours, with us, um, for, for a specific story, our review, our technical review is our acceptance criteria. And so it doesn't get closed or completed until, oh, until so it's you, been So you don't have a separate task. You just have the acceptance criteria. Yeah. So how do, but how do you motivate an engineer to, to set aside a couple hours to review something if they don't get any points for it? If the scrum master tells them to. <laughs> well, but, yeah. and, and, the, and that story locked. needs to get but, closed. But, yeah. That, yeah. but that's in the definition of done. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so if you, 
that's one of the nice things about Scrum is that you have a specific definition. And if checking and approving a document or an online help file or something, if that has to be completed in order for the feature to be done, then it has to happen. Yeah. Whether and, uh, and hopefully the developer kind of understands that yes, accurate documentation is better than just whatever. And so if you have a good rapport with the developers, they're not going to say, oh my gosh, it's going to be a disaster. It's like hopefully you know enough about it and you've been participating every day and at, asking them questions. I mean, that's one of the reasons they have the daily scrum meeting, so you can ask questions. And so, uh, but once it works out, it's not so bad. They understand that that's part of it and that they're the only ones that can do it. So that's why when we finally went to Agile, I really liked it because it's so much more cooperation I got from the developers. Hmm. QA was, they were no help, but the developers <laughs> were much better. What about you, Rosemary? Do you, do you uh, add points to doc review items? Do you have a concatenated, separate? We don't use story points for anything, so oh. we're real fly by the seat of our pants, well, agile people. people. But, but you know, if the feature, the feature's not complete until the docs are complete. So the, those bugs don't get closed until the review is complete and docs are ready to go. So do you have a subtask that, that makes it so people can't close an item until that subtask is closed? That kind of logic? Um, it's just that it, we can't turn the feature flag on and make that feature live until the docs are ready to go. So how do you enforce that? Uh, well, sometimes it doesn't always work, but I tell people if you want to get credit for your work and you want the customers <laughs> to know the feature is there and you want it in the release notes, you got to tell me. <laughs> you got to help me with the review and you got to tell me when it's going to go live so it's ready. Um, so it's it's a negotiation. It's always back and forth. It's a lot of cooperation. But I think you know the engineers see you doing your work beside them and they appreciate what you're doing and that you are giving them credit for their work that's how the customer is going to find it so they see the value in that and they they're very helpful so i'm asking a lot about the story points yeah. because <laughs> this is a particular kind of pain point that i'm facing um project manager kind of said look the developers they don't have points allocated for code reviews right that's just overhead as part of the project so he wanted to do the same thing with doc reviews. It's just overhead. He didn't want to allocate points toward them. Mm -hmm. But I found, I found that, that uh, unless I was really constantly reminding people to review the doc, it just kind of fell through the cracks. So what would you uh, recommend in this scenario? Reviews should have points. Code reviews, doc yeah. reviews should have points. Or even, a, you know, we, we allow people to do half a point. Half yeah, a half a point. Story. Yeah, the task is a half a point. But it's better to have items in there that you have to close or possibly delete than it is to leave something out. Yeah, so we kind of err on the side of maybe over-documenting our, our, um, what we need okay. to do. Yeah. How, have you gotten to uh, do the coding? <laughs> well, I, they, they, are, they sit all together and they just do it, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> one, thing, one thing I have used is um, source, um, uh, code collaborator, we use code collaborator, developers use it um, as one of the tools. And so I have done, depending on the team actually, because it depends on, I try to find out what the team engineers prefer, but a lot of them do prefer code collaborator, and I'll just say, look, I can put it in code collaborator, you guys are used to this tool, you can put your comments in there, and they get reminders from the code collaborator, right? they get emails and stuff, and, and, and that has been effective. One of my PMs loved it to death. He was just like over, over the moon about it. I was like, no, 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 I want to use everything code collaborator now. <laughs> like, okay. Um, some teams don't, but that was effective for me as well. Because okay. yeah, the, the tool just reminds them anyway that if I don't, all right, let's uh, segue into another topic related. So having a, you, you mentioned having a good rapport, being able to have the personal contact or reminding them is important. So you go to these daily stand-up meetings. Two-minute, supposedly, report about your status, uh, what you did yesterday, what you're working on today, and are you blocked by anything, and you know, it's like a round robin, and they're done, right? So uh, do you attend daily stand-ups? And if so, how do you do that, given that you're probably on like three different teams, and these stand-ups stretch endlessly. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't. If I have a question, I'll go to the stand-up and I'll say, hey, you owe me this or whatever. But usually I, I'm on too many teams and I don't have the time for it. But yeah. that's I do most of my work in the planning meeting and uh, I don't have to go to the stand-up. We did all our stand-ups on WebEx, so we got to sit down. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, but um, it's just... The length right there. Yeah. <laughs> well, because you can't, we don't have everybody co-located. So, uh, but we never had, you know, we'd sometimes go maybe five minutes. But if there was anything beyond that, they'd say, okay, we'll take this offline. Take it offline, yeah. And so, because everybody's there, you know, okay, I said my thing, I heard what I needed, I want to go back to work. Mm -hmm. And so, and that's another good thing about Agile, because it's not an individual thing, it's a team thing. An individual, you know, is simply a member of the team, but the team takes responsibility. And so, uh, the team doesn't want to sit around while somebody's, you know, talking at length about a certain problem. And that's something that can double up in retros too. If, if, if the team meeting's always going over, or excuse me, the standing's always going over, or something can go over in retros, and you just say, look, we got to keep them down 15 minutes or whatever. Yeah. You know, that's really common. And the, the whole take it offline, a lot of the writers are kind of, you know, maybe kind of scared to say that, you know, but, but you, they should speak up. I mean, you should speak up if, if you know, you're not the only one noticing that, that people are talking too much or... You know, well, what yeah. at, at ours, all the scrum masters have this little squeaky toy, <laughs> and if somebody starts talking like over two minutes, he starts squeaking it. <laughs> yeah, very irritating, but very effective. Yeah. Um, so how long were your sprints for, and how many user stories took part in one of your sprints? Well, the sprints can vary, at least in our company, and I think like we have two or three-week sprints, usually. Some, some have one of the sprints, but they're not common. Um, and how many stories you said? How many user stories? That'll depend on how many points per user story, right? So it's going to be each each user story is going to have a relative amount of points, right? So one team can have two two user stories. That's probably not. Yeah, you can have two user stories. One team can have five. It's, so it's not going to it's not a set number. The reason I ask is I just finished an almost year long contract in Cisco, and they were trying to do agile but failing. They use Rally, they do user stories. We had three week sprints, we had three meetings a week, they were for an hour and a half. No stand up, an hour and a half. And a lot of user stories got pushed to the next sprint because there wasn't enough time to do them, or there was a problem, or you know, something. And we were trying to do documentation within the sprint, but like you said, we usually end up doing it when QA is doing it, so the developer develops it during the sprint. It's usually not ready for us to start documenting until the following sprint. So we usually did the documentation in the following sprint. But I knew these hour and a half meetings were not stand-up. And I'm like, what are they doing wrong? Why are we in these endless meetings three times a week? So, and I thought part of the problem is we had too many user stories per sprint. So we, I've never heard of points. They're not using points. That's obviously one of their big problems is they're not assigning, assigning points and really trying to judge yeah. the time. That's where they're going wrong. Yeah, so, it doesn't sound like that. Actual issues. Mm -hmm. They're trying to get there, but they're obviously not doing it right. Yeah. It's a scoping problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The work yeah. that's yeah. they're actually yeah. doing. Think that's coming down. Yeah. Well, what would you recommend? You talked, to, Dan. You talked about a squeaky toy. What would you recommend if if a writer finds him or herself trapped in multiple long scrum meetings, and even though the scrum master tells everybody keep it short, two minutes, the engineers are passionate about code. They want to like troubleshoot. They want to talk at length. What do you do as a writer? I mean, do you stand up and, and become kind of a kind of a, a an annoying goat with the timer, or do you just like back out and kind of not go to them as much, pace yourself one every week? You know, what would you do? Well, I don't want to be annoying because they already see me as being annoying. <laughs> so, but but that's that's part of the scrum master's job, yeah. and you know, there's an entire system in. You, you can't just say, well, we'll take this part and this part. That's why it doesn't work. And it, it may be that the people are not really dedicated to it. It may be that at a certain company, they don't really know how to do it. They don't understand that the scrum meeting is supposed to be three or four minutes long. And so they come prepared you know, for some detailed that they're used to doing, 
And so, uh, but that's one of the things that I really think is important is for people to get training. Mm-hmm. And not, and I don't mean just reading the book, yeah. because this is this is highly interactive. Mm-hmm. And if the people you're interacting with don't know what you're trying to do, then you then you end up mm-hmm. with the hour and a half meeting. And, and yeah. getting educated and speaking up, even as a writer, you know, a lot of times we don't want to, but even as a writer, speaking up and saying, you know, let's take this offline. Or my other favorite line is, once you know, you can say. You know, this is an agile, and people totally back off when you say that. (laughs) And they, you know, and you you can just use that, don't use overuse it, but every once in a while, just throwing out a this is an agile, and they're like, oh, okay, you know, and and our our stand ups are about 15 minutes long, but I will say that we do sometimes have the problem you're talking about where a writer will be on multiple teams and there may be. You know, stand-up meetings that are scheduled opposite each other, and those we try to, you know, work with the with the teams to, you know, try to stagger them. And if that doesn't work, I usually, you know, suggest that the writers go to, you know, alternate them. But I, for our writers, it's really valuable to go to the stand-ups. And I like alternate too. I mean, even if sometimes I kind of don't understand what I, I found that over the years I comprehend a lot more than I used to for one thing, but also too, it just was a reminder I'm part of the team, and mm-hmm. um, and I do speak up if there's something that's being said that we're talking about a technical topic. There's things actually I have input on, and, and people are like, oh yeah, that's cool, cool, you know, so we do have value to add, even if we don't always think, or even though I don't always think so, I, I do, as team members, we do have value to add. So I do personally think it's really important to try to come as as possible. So speaking of adding value, like one of the principles of Agile is that, that people's roles are somewhat fuzzy, that you, you have this team effort towards a common goal. Um, one of the most common ways tech writers blend out of just doing writing and doing other roles is by logging bugs for all the stuff they find as they're writing docs. Um, so do you follow the practice of when you see a bug, you go into your JIRA or whatever bug tracking system you have, and carefully detail the steps that you did to get the bug and add a screenshot and assign it to the right uh, version or whatever. You know, it takes probably 15 minutes to do a good JIRA item. <laughs> yeah. Or do you just do you just say, you know what, that's QA's um, issue, I just shoot them a quick email. What, what do you do? Uh, I file bugs. Um, I, I'm sometimes shy about it. Like, if it's something that I think might be little, I'll talk to the engineer or the QA person and, and ask them first, is that a professional courtesy? I'll say, hey, how do you want me to handle it? But, you know, they, they, I've never had anybody say, complain about me filing a bug ever, ever, ever. They might, like, say, okay, it's low priority, so the words in the E2, whatever, but they've never, ever complained. And I think it's actually, again, it's, it's a thing about adding value, because QAs are people, they're not going to be able to catch everything. They're, they're rushed to sometimes, so. Well, they're different jobs, right? Right. Finding the bug and reviewing and assigning priorities to the bugs are two different Oh, jobs. no, no, I mean, yeah. But anybody else? Yeah, but you know, if you're in the scrum team meetings, like today, we had we had a meeting, and it was kind of funny. Um, QA was trying to say, "Is this done? Is this done enough for me to test it?" And the developer said, "It is. Just have a field day." You know, so it meant that everybody, if you're using the feature, could log a defect. But we try not to log a defect if we know the developer has just started working on it. He has a partial check-in, you know, and it says partial check-in. We don't start logging defects. We wait until we at least know it's reasonably. Yeah, yeah. before we do that. So after a while, you kind of get to know. And I sit by a couple of developers, and sometimes they'll say, hey, you know, this is kind of a, did you really want to align it that way? And he goes, oh, no, I'll just go fix it. Right. So sometimes I don't even like the defects. But just like uh, I think Dan said earlier, a lot of Agile is about personal relationships. And after a while, you get to know people mm-hmm. and know the teams. And just, you know, after a while, it just becomes second nature to know how to interact with them and when to log a defect and when to send an email or ask someone a question. Just gets real intuitive, yeah. and a lot of time if you're working on the documentation as the as the like you were saying as the um, feature is being developed, you'll catch something that they're working on sure. that's not closed yet, and you can you know that's the point at which mm-hmm. I just talk to them instead of you know. Yeah, that's a good yeah. thing to have at the morning stand up. Just to ask quickly, did you know that this particular thing is doing this, and. I think it's important to ask because they may already be aware of it. Right, yeah. Somebody may have already filed a bug. And of course, I don't know about the rest of you guys, but when I see three or four doc bugs 
for the same thing. You know, it's like, okay, you only need to tell me once, really only once. So, and, but it, you know, it, it's what works in that system. The important thing is to do something. If you see something wrong, be sure that a bug is filed or the people are aware of it. Mm -hmm. And so just, you know, so and get it in the system, however your system is, so that people remember it, or at least they find it and say, oh my gosh, what was this? What do you find to be the most frustrating or difficult thing about being a tech writer in an agile Scrum environment? That we hadn't done it this way before. <laughs> I think I would say it's definitely for myself. I find it really valuable. Like it's it's. I feel like we're a lot more visible. I feel like I'm a lot more visible as a writer in this environment. You know, just being in a daily standings and stuff, and um, getting to know more closely what the engineers are doing day to day is helpful for me as well. Not just like in a you know, seen them once in a while type of way, but every day I talk to them um, much more closely in the standing and stuff, I get a whole a good picture, overall picture of what they're doing. But pain points, this is what I want, I want to hear that, the, the part that you hate about this agile process. You mentioned uh, like not having done it previously, you're all very converted to the process. Is there nothing that, that drives you crazy about agile? Well, well, of course, the obvious pain point is that I can't have my documentation done in time for the sprint review. Yeah, yeah. And that's, but that's the reality, and as we've all pointed out, user documentation was not considered when they invented Agile. So as a result, we have to come up with a solution to that. So sometimes you can be running one sprint behind, but that's acceptable. And so, but it is somewhat of a pain point. But at least where I worked, everybody was dedicated to it, but everybody was new and they realized that there'd have to be a lot of things just to work out. I think there could be, if you're using Scrum, for example, like a pain point for um, not just the writers, but for the engineers is, um, depending on the team, there could be a lot of meetings because there's the retros, there's the planning, and like there was one team I was on about four years ago, and oh my God, we had like three, two hour each planning meetings for the release. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there were other planning meetings. <laughs> it was like those were like the just, those were like the beginning planning meetings, and then, then we had dailies, and then, you know it was and it was a new scrum master, and it was great, but it was just like we were like, oh my god. How, how did you protect your <laughs> bandwidth? I mean, you won't have any time to write documentation if you're going to meetings. Um, yeah, that was in that particular release. It, I I was. I was okay actually because a lot of their work is going to be back in non customer facing work, so it wasn't too bad for me. I think the engineers were the other ones in that case, but um, but um, but that being said, though, my boss, my bosses have consistently told me that if there's meetings, I don't feel I need to attend or I'm not going to value for home, not for but, you know, I can choose not to attend. Yeah, so, you need to protect yeah. your time, exactly. yeah. yeah. We always have that option. Yeah. Also, uh, at least in the system we were using. Uh, it was assumed that each developer, each writer, would have six hours of work time per day, right. leaving two hours for all the meetings and the conversations and so on. And so when we looked at the sprint, we'd say, okay, uh, this writer has 50% of her time on with this particular uh, project or team, and that means this, he's going to have, I don't know what, maybe 30 hours, and that's how many hours you get. And so, you and once you've done it a couple times, you can act, act, uh, estimate pretty closely how much time. But all of that should be taken into consideration when you, you know, you shouldn't. If you're spending eighty percent of your time in meetings, then only twenty percent of the time is allocated, you know, for number of hours available and how it works in the burn down and all of that. Dan, you mentioned something earlier, so. Um, in the Sutherland book, right, this is one of the seminal books on, on Scrum, and he's one of the, uh, isn't he like the co-founder of the process? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, one of their so principles is working software over comprehensive documentation, and he does not address documentation in there. You, Thankfully, the other one, the yellow book, the dummies one does, but why is it that all these Scrum processes that are based in IT, you know they have documentation, how come it's just overlooked? Why is it not in there? And why does it documentation as a term kind of get a negative connotation 
in general in Agile well, discussions? First of all, the documentation they're talking about is part of the software development, specification, all that. Yeah. that they're not thinking user documentation. That's what we're here for. But they're, one of the things in, in the waterfall system is where you try to plan all the features ahead of time and how it's going to work and so on and we've all done that and then it never works out because there are too many unknowns and we're not necessarily doing things in the right order and, and so on so that's the documentation they're talking about that they want to eliminate doing and they simply say okay what are the absolute most important features and those are the ones we'll do first and then once they're completed, we'll have the stakeholders, which may include the customers, look at it and say, is this what you want? Is it doing what you want? And so if not, they can correct it. So but rather saying, than, they don't try to write it all out ahead of time. They just take a small chunk and say, let's go with this. And then they stop and verify that it's correct. Anybody else have anything they want to add, Bob? Well, I mean, I, I agree. That's that's actually a pain point. I mean, you know, but it's also, to me, it's an opportunity. It's like I was saying, most of the time, um, most of the teams that we work with, they're happy to, they don't know how we work or what we need, and so they're happy to take suggestions of saying, okay, you want to do the stories like that? Great. You know, you want to track your time like that? Great. You know, let's do it. And so... Um, they've been pretty flexible, you know, because it's, you're absolutely right, it's not, you know, documented, and there's not a specific way to do documentation in Agile. And that, that to me is a pain point, it's almost like we got overlooked. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I wish he would yeah. just add a little, little chapter in there, <laughs> like how to integrate documentation in there. Uh -huh. I, I have a question. Do you find when you're working in this Agile environment that the the kind or the amount of documentation you do is, is fundamentally different from what you did before? Yes. I'd say it's more focused. Mm -hmm. It's in smaller bites. Yeah, in much yeah. smaller bites. Right. Exactly. Whereas I might have taken, like, I might have documented, written a whole chapter for a release. Now we just, our updates are much more smaller and, like you said, much more focused. And there's much more review around everything. So the quality gets higher of everything that we do. So it's kind of a shift. So smaller and higher quality. Yes. Are all of you guys using data? I know you guys use Blender. Yeah, we use data. We use data. Yeah. We use, use MindTouch. So it's a MindTouch, the tool. It's a Decky Wiki based, uh, you know, uh, yeah, content management system. It's it's single source, but it's not data. But but what? Are you just writing in HTML or XML or, or straight it's, it's a wiki, yeah. So it's WYSIWYG. It's very easy to use. Love it. <laughs> Any questions from people? Uh, um, this, yeah. Let's start uh, from USCSC. <laughs> sorry, you've got a name. Delora, is that right? Deborah. Deborah, Deborah. sorry. Hi. Um, thank you all for coming. Um, Okay, so some of you are talking about um, that you definitely use the stories, and so and then Jane, you said that the um, it's part of the implementation criteria for the development mm -hmm. stories instead. And mm -hmm. so, would there be value to having it having both in that case, having it as part of the acceptance criteria, and having it um, be individual stories for documentation? Well, we we actually we started off having it as as part of the. Part of the development story but now we do have a separate doc we, we or sorry we started out having it as part of the development story now we have separate documentation stories because you know having it as part of the development story didn't work for us but we do have separate documentation stories and the review though is part of the documentation story the that's part of the accepted you know the story does not get accepted the documentation story does not get accepted and completed until it's been checked, make sure that it's technically correct and that, you know, the help link works when you click on it and everything's good. So that's part yeah. of the Do overall. documentation story. Yeah. That's part of the yeah. documentation story. Right. Okay. Yeah. So there's not, it's not, in other words, there's the development and the QA, unless they don't specifically mention, those stories don't mention documentation. Right. Unless, I mean, this, and this is another little twist, unless there is some contribution that a developer makes to, you know, so makes to documentation. So, for instance, as part of, 
as part of development, you know, if, it, if a developer, you know, helps you, you know, do a sample or something like that, then there's a documentation subtask to that development story. But okay. other than that. Yeah. All right, who had your hand? You had your hand up. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, I was curious about co-location. Um, half my team's in China. Mm -hmm. And how do, you, how do you deal with that? Um, the, well, that's <laughs> what we do, why our meetings are on WebEx. <laughs> the biggest challenge is, you know, picking a time when it's a reasonable time of day. Since on the other side of the world, you know, it's 9 a.m. here, it's 9 p.m. there, they're ready to go home. They were ready to go home six hours ago, but, uh, but that, that's it's just one of the things you have to work out. Because, again, ideally, you're co-located, but in reality, not so much. So you do arrange it so that everybody does meet yes. at the same time. Yeah, and of course, that's another reason to keep the meeting short, yeah. like you're supposed to, because we're just here, we're touching base. If we identify a problem, we'll take care of it at another time. And one of my teams, um, a couple releases ago, um, there was a senior engineer who temporarily was um, working remotely in another country. Um, he was in our Japan office for a while, and so um, just because of the scheduling, he couldn't attend Scrum, but he wanted to know what was going on, and so when I was Scrum Master, he wanted me to type up notes for him, and I did, you know, it was fine, it only took a couple minutes to do. Um, I mean, that's atypical, I mean, that doesn't usually happen, usually people, we, we do work with people in different locations, and they'll dial in like normal, but he wasn't able to, and so um, we just kind of made a special exception, because he really did need to know what was going on, so that was a way for him to kind of participate. In those standings, even though he wasn't there. The best time that I've heard of in working with software in India is uh, 7 p.m. our time. Well, also, if you use WebEx, you can just record the meeting and exactly. then you get a request to record whatever you want. Yeah, unfortunately, that's not what you're supposed to do in a sprint. You're supposed to be able to communicate, hear each other, and have feedback. So it's better than nothing, obviously, but. For it really would help if everybody can be talking live. Chuck, you've got a question. Yeah, um, you mentioned about how the developers of this talked about documentation is not really including what we do. And I hear a lot of you folks talking about online help and other sort of traditional types of documentation. Um, and I'm wondering about how does Scrum and Agile fit into what a lot of our role has expanded into? Um, the entirety of the content experience, managing UI text and messaging and everything in, within as part of the user experience. How a lot of our, for, in a lot of places, um, a lot of companies are adopting um, the inclusion of user-generated content into their, into their product experience. So part of the job for some people is ongoing content curation. How do those sort of things fit into this whole Agile Scrum process? Well, you have to add those. I mean, we also do examples and tutorials and videos and um, eventually we're probably going to end up doing some social media as a post-release activity. All of that goes in JIRA or Rally. All of it. And we do the best we can. I mean, some things that are just totally ongoing and unpredictable, like you said, incorporating user feedback. We don't do that, but we just we would just do the very best we can to estimate it because we need people to see everything that we're doing. And everything has a cost. So if we go off in these different directions, yeah, you, you may get more social media, you may get more videos, but you're probably going to get a little less documentation. Yes, we can do a training program for you over there, but it's going to cost you somewhere else. Because if we don't do that, then people think it's free. Right. right. I totally yeah. agree with that, actually. Because I, I, uh, last year, I worked with the pin, he was new to the company, and he was new to Agile, and he was just like used to telling people what to do. <laughs> and I was trying to explain to him, look, you, you, want, you want this video, but you also want these five other things. Yeah. It's, something's going to give. And, and, and it is, it's, I think it's really important to, to yeah, put everything in mm -hmm. and just let people see what you're working on. Yeah, one thing, though, you were asking about is like uh, with like text in the UI. And so on the project I was working on, the, uh, the developer was Russian. And so his English is way better than my Russian, let me tell you. <laughs> but uh, he simply, he wrote up a user story, you know, review of all text, and then he assigned it to me. So I went through and I said, okay, this is what I suggest you do. I sent it to him. He, he went through and implemented everything except what he had questions about. I answered his questions. He did it. So uh, 
but that's part of the thing that anybody can add a user story, anybody can add a task, anybody can go in and change it, everybody can see it, and you know you can assign stuff to people because you're working as a team, and so you expect that people are going to come to you with stuff. And so it's you know before it's like oh bother why do I have to do this? But now people are saying that you know we each one of the team members has something they can uniquely provide. And even though technically on a scrum team you got the product owner, you got developers and a scrum man, uh, scrum master and that's it. But we're on the team too. And QA people are on the team too. And so we all bring something that we can add and so we work as a team. And yeah. so that it's it's like the way it should have been except now we just accept it and go with it. <laughs> My UI developers, you know, I sit right next to him. So he'll say, I have this bug, can you review my text for me? And he just slacks me the bug, and I look over it, and I'll make a little change in the bug, and then he develops it. So, you know, it works out really well. Being part of the team, being seen, uh, they remember those things. Oh yeah, can you check this for me? I've got an error message. Make sure it's correct. That's, that's kind of what I was thinking about. It's like, yeah. as the tech writer, as the content professional, you're responsible for all of the content experience, not just help us to write. Right. What about um, after the sprint is over, teams are supposed to demonstrate what they've accomplished. Do you demonstrate the documentation that you've written? Um, if you have some, something. Sometimes I do, yeah. <laughs> I, I have, we have demos um, on one of my teams. We have weekly demos. And um, that Friday in the morning, during the standing, we'll say, because I'm going to demo. And, and yeah, so I, I, two weeks ago, I demoed my new walkthrough. So I mean, I do. <laughs> okay. mm -hmm. Anybody else? Yeah, we, if we do an example or um, we do a video, we'll show those off at the end of the, at the, mm -hmm. end of the sprint. We normally don't show the documentation because it's a little dry. A video, you know, a video, yeah. especially yeah. when it's two minutes or less, we'll, we'll keep them in their seats a little longer. So. If it's something different or unusual. Yes. Like that, yeah. yeah. Well, Definitely. Here's my last question, um, and then we'll <laughs> open it up to anybody else again. Uh, <clears throat> we've been talking about primarily Scrum, which is one flavor of doing Agile or one approach. Another one is, is Kanban, uh, which is different. It's more of instead of having a two-week sprint, you just have like a, a to-do section with three cards or something, and you pull one out, and you work on it. When you're done, you pull another one and so forth. Do you ever uh, do any Kanban stuff, or is it all Scrum? I'm getting used to Kanban right now. I like it. I'm just still getting used to it, though. So okay. one of my teams do Is it working the same or um, worse? The, yeah, overall it's better for this team, and it partly it's because previously I joined the team and I, we were using at, um, um, Scrum for about a release, I think, when I joined them. Um, and they kept pushing um, pushing stuff all the time, like, you know, this isn't working. It's like, you keep pushing stories and tasks and stuff, you know, it was like a continual problem. So we should really reevaluate this. And we have trainers that kind of you know, give us a skinny on Kanban and stuff. So we often do Kanban class. Um, so yeah, we're getting used to it. I'm getting used to it, I should say. Um, Okay. Yeah. Else? Our documentation team board, our in progress board, is a Kanban mm -hmm. board. And so these doc tasks are actually part of the sprints, but they also show up on our board. So we see what's in the to do, what's in progress, what's in review, and what's done as it moves along the process. And I can see each of my team members and what exactly they're working on. Nice. Yeah. We have a Kanban board for our overarching stuff, like, you know, team initiatives or, or training or something like that. And but the individual development teams use the Scrum. All right, any, anybody else have questions for us? Go ahead. So, <clears throat> one more question. First question, uh, how do you get input from developers? In what form do you receive the input for your documentation? I think for myself it depends on the developer um, because some people um, are very, you know, love talking, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and love whiteboarding and stuff, and, and some people are just better at email. And, I just I think it's very individual. It depends on the person. So basically, it's verbal. Uh, you you receive some formal documentation from developers, like specs or something, or it mostly verbal in emails, um, and like you play around with UI and see what's going on. Uh, like how you get the information. The user story. 
Yeah. Well, well, it's supposed mm-hmm. to be, but yeah. a lot of I know from my experience, mm-hmm. a lot of times Jewish stories are very well fulfilled out <laughs> at all. Um, so it's a combination, honestly. I, I, you know, for myself, just it depends on the team. It depends on the people on the team. Some teams have specs. Some people, some teams don't have any specs. Some might. Okay, continuation question to this one. If this is like verbally, and we need to talk with the developer, yeah, how developer is account accounts for the time he spends with you? Does he have uh, in his like scrum board some s- small story that says talking uh, to a technical uh, writer? Uh, because otherwise, people kind of say, why should I spend an hour? Um, that I uh, need to spend on my development work or talking yeah, to someone. Well, like like I mentioned earlier, is we are in teams and and we do have relationships with these teams, so it's not like we're you know they're going to be like oh, I'm not going to talk to you, you know. Um, I've never worked with a developer like that yet. You know, if I was like really disrespectful of the time and just continue to ask questions and just like you know, then that would be a different story and there would be another issue altogether anyway. But um, but no, no, I mean I I'm like hey Brian, can I come talk to you or you know. Jonathan, can I ask you a quick question, or can I get half an hour from you? And and what they'll do is typically they'll say, you know, during our stand-up, they'll say, you know, I worked on this story, blah blah blah, blah. and they'll say, oh, you know, talk to Gino, you know, you know, over this this topic over there. So uh-huh. that's kind of how it's covered, and uh-huh. it's not very formal. Um, uh-huh. And again, if, if I was like really monopolizing someone's time, that would be uh-huh. an, another issue altogether, anyway. So does that help? Like, yeah, it does. Yeah, because I find this challenge in my situation. So it's interesting for me how people actually. So you don't have any like formal process that says in developer board allocate time to collaborate <coughs> with technical writers. It's not formal. Uh, it's more like on on the flow development uh, relationships based with developers and stuff. This is like my that. experience. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I I found that. When I really need to have a sit down with the developer is when I'm going over something conceptual, like what is what is this software feature doing? Mm-hmm. Where is it, where is it getting this information? What is it doing with it? And so that's where we you know we're going to draw things on the whiteboard or so on. Uh-huh. But generally, with the software itself, I'm familiar enough with what the software's doing, so I can just look at it and say, okay, this is working. I try a few experiments with it, okay, it's functioning correctly, okay, now I understand it, I'll figure this out. But if I don't understand what's happening behind it, that's when I have to have, you know, maybe an hour meeting and hopefully record what's being said and have the person just sit there. And of course, you know, you have to work out when the person's available. And if you're really flexible and try really hard, they probably won't mind doing that for you. All right, all right. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. It's getting, it's getting late. It's, it's a fifteen. So we're gonna have one last question, and then you can ask them after that. Is that all right? Because uh, I, I know I hear these zippers zipping. <laughs> uh, so one last question. Who's got? Who wants to be the final person to ask a question to our panelists? Okay. They get a prize if they do. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. I'm curious how how early in the life of the project are you guys getting assigned? challenge at at my place is that often they've done a fair amount of design kind of Mm -hmm. uh, in my absence Mm -hmm. and and by the time I get there I'm doing a little catch-up and in an agile environment that seems a little harder. One of the things that we try to do is have writers assigned you know to the teams and have it be consistent across multiple releases multiple you know so that writers are involved in the planning stages in you know throughout the entire cycle and that's been huge getting one, to that point. One yeah. thing that we did is we have the tech writer assigned to that team in the sprint planning meeting where okay this is like going to be two weeks and what are we going to work on and they got all their little stick you know posty notes up on the wall and they're all worrying about how much time this is going to take and how much effort. Whereas we start looking through them and say, what needs to be documented? What needs to be documented? And so, you know, and it's actually compared to them, you know, we just have a handful of items. But that's where we pick stuff that we're going to focus on these. And then we watch when they, we find the, who the developer is working on it, and then we watch what they're doing. And once we're well into the sprint, we can ask him in the in the stand up, "Hey, have you got anything for me to look at yet?" 
And so, but that's where you're there in the meeting. And, and normally that planning meeting is really boring because <laughs> you have so few items, mm -hmm. but you're looking for what they're doing. Things like prototypes and like research, like do we, do we want to use bootstrap or do we want to use foundation? Those should also be tasks that, you're, that are on there that are also being planned for. So really, um, we try to get involved at that level. So we'll see the prototype or we'll know at least that a prototype's going on. Or Oh, we decided we didn't want to use bootstrap. We want to use something else. I mean, we'll have a sense of what's going on. So it sounds like you guys just aren't getting in there early enough. Yeah. We're very much embedded with our UX team also, so when they're doing the designs, the initial designs, we go to their meetings sometimes just to see what's being designed. Very often we're uh, very helpful when it comes to naming conventions. We want to make sure that things are titled correctly and that they're not calling it five different things, which often happens so much. So uh, yeah, get in contact with your UX team. They're very helpful. Okay. All right, well, let's give our panelists a hand. This has been great. Do you want to take a photo? So don't, don't leave. And